learn how to take hits and get up. I, I mean, every marketing book teaches you that you have to grow through experimentation. That's another, a nicer word for mistakes because you're just so much better for it. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 65 of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. On today's episode, I'm joined by Sharon Koifman, the founder and CEO of Distant Job, a remote placement agency which helps match companies with the best remote developers from all over the world. I wanted to have Sharon on the podcast because he is a serial entrepreneur, having built and sold another tech company in the past, and has a ton of experience with remote work, both from managing his own distributed staff at Distant Job and helping find talented developers for hundreds of other remote companies all over the world. And during the interview, Sharon shared his entrepreneurial journey and why he decided to start Distant Job after successfully selling his previous company why he believes that freelancing doesn't work, and how to create a great company culture while working remotely. You guys, you can find the full show notes from this interview over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 65. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 65. And if you're enjoying this podcast and haven't done so already, don't forget to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the number one way to support this podcast and help us grow, and I would appreciate it greatly. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this interview with Sharon Koifman. All right, well, Sharon, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to uh, be with us. I'm really excited to chat with you. Uh, It's a pleasure. Nice meeting you, Mitko. So I got to start out, first of all, you know, this is not something that I normally ask, but because of all this craziness going on, um, I know that you're originally from Israel. Are you still there right now or are you based somewhere else? No, I'm based in Montreal, Canada. Oh, okay. Montreal, Canada. Cool. Not that it matters. I can, I can be anywhere because all my employees are all over the world. So what took you to Canada? Like why go to Montreal in the first place? Uh, first of all, I am, I am not going to take credit for it. I came here when I was 10 years old, but without a question, it is one of the coolest, if not the coolest cities in the world, as long as you can handle the cold, right? It is one, if not the, the coldest big city in the world, it goes, it goes to normal temperatures of minus, minus 20, which that's when the Celsius meets the Fahrenheit. So I don't even need to say which, uh, 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 which may, a metric, uh, but this city is so much fun. Not this year because all the festivals are not here and all the bars and all the restaurants and all the, the, the life has mm-hmm. been sucked out of people. But usually this city is just a complete pleasure to work from, especially if you run an international company. Yeah, I've heard really good things about Montreal. I've never been. I've been to only like Toronto and Canada. So I'm I'm not very familiar with Canada, but I've heard really good things about Montreal. I, I do got to ask though, because like I said, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. What does life look like right now in Montreal? A quiet. It's a, it's like the zombies came and we all need to stay <laughs> home. Although I, I do find it a little interesting the moment that the sun came out something happened and everybody just came out. So, so people forgot the social distancing thing for, for a few minutes, but in general, it has been quite interesting. It's, it's, it's been empty. It's been quiet, but it's also been exhausting because uh, none of the help the parents, the nannies, the daycare. So don't come. So you don't get a chance to think much about anything beside how do I survive at work and how do I take care of those kids without uh, turning them into zombies in front of a TV? Yeah, I uh, and I think that's really interesting. And, you know, like, I mean, we're both big fans of remote work. And I've been saying for a long time, remote work is going to be like happening and it's going to everybody's going to be doing remote work. Wow, 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 wow. And then, you know, like I just didn't expect it to happen so quickly or for these reasons. So, um yeah, I'm excited to have you on to talk because uh, you have a very cool company called Distant Job. You know, we can talk about more about exactly what you do there. 
But how did you get started with like entrepreneurship and all of this like remote work stuff? Like how did how did all that happen for you? Well, it started a long time ago. When I was your age, no, stop. Um, I, a long time ago, I, I started a web hosting company. I actually started before that uh, Napster com- competition, uh, but without with, with non-pirated music that you need to get permission. Uh, I did it. I did it with no budget, so it never worked out. But my my thinking about how to fund this company was using the shared hosting. Um, server that I paid like ten dollars per month for, and I would I, it blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute, did they just give me an account with multiple domains? Uh, let me try something with this, and I and I started hosting one friend, and I started hosting another person. Next thing I know, I have ten. Next thing I know, I have a hundred, and I totally forgot about the the Napster uh, uh, the Napster type uh, website and. Uh, with with some acquisition, some organic growth, it turned out to be three thousand three thousand client uh, operation. Uh, the thing is, m- the the model was that all the support is in India. The servers are in New Jersey. I'm remote. I started remote before I understood what remote was. I was an early adopter where it comes to outsourcing, but I didn't have concept of remote. The only thing that I seen that that the outsourcing model, which I, I eventually, the, every web hosting company starts providing added services. And when you have employees in India, you clearly need to add some web design and some uh, software development and solution like that. And I very quickly found so many things that don't work with the outsourcing industry. The, the biggest thing that happened, if you, if, if you were a real estate agency and you needed a web design uh, an affordable, basic web design, I was the right solution for you. But sometimes I had software companies and web design companies and consulting companies outsourcing their work to me because I was cheap labor. And it's like, what what, what the hell are you doing? Right? People are paying you money for your culture, for your processes, and, and you're completely offloading it to, to a schmo. And, and I'm comfortable admitting it right now that <laughs> my service was barely mediocre. Right, I was 25. I still didn't gain all the experience of how to run a premium service, and you're offloading the stuff to me because I'm cheap labor. Instead of creating a premium solution, um, a few years later, when I sold Empire Host for uh, for a few bucks, I uh, I very much realized that that there is this massive market of offshore international people, but they're usually given is outsourcing instead of having full-time integrated uh, people that want to be part of a bigger thing than themselves, which is your company. Mm-hmm. And that is a very, very important um, concept. That, st- that was, that was the, the most important concept that started my company, Distant Job, where I realized mm-hmm. that I don't want to take on projects anymore. I don't want to do things that I clearly am not better than my client and my client just offloading to me because cheap and focus on finding the best and the smartest people that integrate as part of the client's processes. There's still, these days we're not as affordable anymore. We're just all about quality, but we started off being providing cheap people, but even but cheap people that are focused, they're invested, immediately do so much better work. Mm-hmm. Than that person that always think about their next project in behind and uh, back of their mind, and that has been uh, the the path to our success with distant job ever since. I'm curious, you know, you talked about selling your previous company. That's something that I want to touch on because I think it's something that a lot of people dream of, right? And a lot of people listening would love to build a company and then sell a company. Uh, but I've had friends who have sold companies and realized that maybe it w- like wasn't the feeling they thought they would have. So I'm curious, why did you decide to sell that company? And then what happened afterwards? Like how long did it take for you to start, you know, distant job after that? Like how did you feel after you sold that company? So, so in general, in my opinion, you shouldn't be building a company to sell. You never know what everybody talks about. My company's value this and that and this, and and it's really not that valuable until it, 
accumulate certain kind of momentum a, a, as cer a certain level of revenue that real investors are sitting there and going, hmm, that's something that's something worth th that that is a real asset. Mm -hmm. So so just build a company that you love that you love building, that you love working in. And that is the reason why I sold it. I hated hosting so much. I got into the Walmart of hosting, the cheap, cheap, cheap. Clients pay the least and complain the most 24-7. And I was not a professional system admin. I was a techie. I was, I'm very much fluent in nerd. I'm, I'm proud to be in the, in the technology community, but I am not a strong programmer or a system administrator. I'm much stronger in communicating with other techies across the world. And that's where recruiting IT people has become such a strength. So I left because I hated it. And the fact that I hated it meant that I cannot do a good job at it, mm. right? I, I was not ready to go and to start getting uh, a full education and certification in system ad administration or programming. And that was a weakness. So I had two choices at the end of the day to just keep on going and not really growth or just realize it's time to stop sell it for whatever you can and move on for the rest and the your buddies are disappointed probably i can't read their mind but i was disappointed that my exit did not give me um the the life stability that i wanted did not mm. give me the opportunity to say Ooh, now I have a lot of money or to invest <laughs> or to retire. But I, I never want to retire, but I want to feel that if everything goes bad, I'm covered. Right. And right. when you don't have that, and and I think that the, the dollar amount that 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 gives you a true stability, in my opinion, I actually said with my brother uh, a long time ago, and we discussed, and that was 15 years ago, so maybe with inflation, it's not exactly, but at least $10 million in your pocket or you're not satisfied or mm. you, you did not, you, and, and no, I'm sounding a little bit snobby right now, but, but $10 million is the amount of money that gives you the, the true stability for the rest of your life. Maybe by now it's 15. And if you live in New York, it's 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, there's, I think when you're getting started, like, like those expectations always grow, right? Like at first, like, oh, if I can only make like $5,000 a month and then you hit that and then it's 10 and then it's 20 and then, you know, that keeps going up. And the thing that you don't realize is that to achieve that true sort of, you know, people talk about that freedom, right? To like completely unbuckle and to be able to like retire, that number is a lot higher than like what you think it is because of all the complexity and all the economics that go into it, right? And like people don't really realize that and selling a company for $3 million, for example, doesn't really get you as much as like holding on to it and getting those reoccurring, you know, paychecks from it. Right. $3 million, you pay taxes from that, mm -hmm. right? You, you need to share with your partners. You, um, need, you, you find a whole bunch of extra costs that you don't even know about. Um, it, it's, it's not enough. I, again, I'm sounding really snobby. It's awesome if you're valued at $3 million, but, it's, but, but you can't retire. Uh, you can mm -hmm. feel comfortable starting to invest, starting to invest in in big companies. Uh, a house, uh, uh, a house in a, in a cool city, in a decently close place costs about one point five million. So you lost all your money after taxes and everything. You're back to zero, right? right. And again, I, I I'm feeling uncomfortable sounding so snobby right but 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 i told you like when we started this podcast i said this is the zero bullshit podcast and this is the yes. thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the like realities of the economics of these things so i don't think you're sounding snobby it's just when you spend enough time in this space and you spend enough time thinking about the numbers and the economics of these things you naturally come to the conclusion which you have had and and it's really good for people who maybe haven't had the time to think about that to get a jump start on, on, on learning that, right? So I don't think it's snobby at all. Um, if you want to retire, $15 million in your pocket is good enough for the rest of your life. This there is the amount. One five. I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, you said um, 
that when you started your first company, you, you kind of created a beast that you didn't like, right? It became successful and you kind of got yourself some handcuffs in that, that you, you found yourself working for a company that, that you didn't really love being a part of. What did you do differently when you were starting Distant Job to make sure that it was a company that you loved and that you, you weren't going to be in the same situation that you were with the previous company? Uh, it's it's the, the big thing, the big event that happened in the second company, and I did some consulting in, be, uh, consulting in between, but the big thing that happened in the second company is the first company. Really is. I, I have thrived and grown through mistakes. The first company has been my Harvard education. Please, Harvard, Harvard students will never get the, the, the quality of education that I got running a real company and kind of destroying it a little bit, right? It, this, is, this was the best. I have learned so much. And th- that's what happened. That happened mm-hmm. is that I became a real mature businessman Oh, business boy. Now I guess I can say I'm a business dude. I'm still not a businessman. We're working on it. But uh, but I became, by the maturity level, was so different. The numbers were important. I, I didn't even think about the numbers, right? The numbers were important. The customer service, the operation. I was not operation-oriented in my first company. It was all about the investment and the creativity, the making the deals, which I was surprisingly quite talented at, at age 25. But I forgot about operations. I forgot mm-hmm. about actually needing to run my company properly. And when I got around to it, I realized that I'm running it like shit. And that, would have, that will never happen in the second company, which, you know, quite frankly, not anymore. My, my director of marketing, my VP are running a tight ship. Right, not me, but I made sure that that I have a Tai Chi ship running. Is there any way to to learn that lesson without going through what you went through? Right. So if somebody's listening right now and they're kind of like launching their first company, do you have any tips for them to ensure that they don't build a, a company that they they end up hating? You know, I I'm a I'm a big I'm a big going through mistakes kind of guy. I preach it to my team that learn through mistakes. I call them experiments. You know, there's, I guess, some people who avoided it. Some people had incredible mentors. But it wouldn't be right for me to give advice on something that I don't know. Mm. Because I have never succeeded that way. The only advice that I can give is learn how to take hits and get up. Right, the 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 famous cliche um, statistic says that one out of ten people succeeds in their in their business. Right, they say that all the time. I don't know how fair it is. I don't know how many. I, I probably um, six out of those ten I just registered a company, didn't take it seriously. I don't know what's the story, but that's the that's the 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 famous stats that they like to give you. But the, that famous stats comes with a second level. One out of three people succeed in their second business, mm. right? I, I believe you – I mean, every marketing book teaches you that you have to grow through experimentation. That's another – a nicer word for mistakes. I, I really believe that you, you, you got to learn how to take a hit and come back because you're just so much better for it. Yeah, you know, that's the difference when you see – the one benefit of going through the way that you did, like you said, is you learn how to take a hit. And even though like you like you can see people who are entrepreneurs and were business owners before like the 07, 08 recession, and the ones who made it through are like real like OG business guys, right? Like they've taken a hit, they know how to deal with it. And I think a lot of new entrepreneurs need to go through that and they kind of learn how to like like deal with the dip, deal with those issues. And like what's happening right now is, you know, really terrible. But the thing that I keep saying is like the people who make it on the other side are going to be beasts, right? Like they're going to, you know, that's just how it is. And so like you said, is like sometimes making the mistakes, taking the hits can really make you be even more successful later on. And, and, and this is something that I teach, I teach my team. We call it constructive conflict, 
right? If you are not able to get into a fight, for example, so it's it's not just about learning how to take mistakes. It, the taking a hit metaphor is for stopping someone sensitive about anything. You don't have room in business for massive egos or at least uncontrollable egos and sensitivity. If you teach your team to cut the bullshit, just uh, say what you think, be passionate, be angry, be motivated, right? And and learn from your mistakes. I I don't see how you can succeed. I I real I really don't. And if uh, a big shot businessman, unless unless you are just sometimes sometimes you land on the Facebook, right? Sometimes you just open get one product and it's just and you get the right team and it grows. I don't want to take credits away from uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the the Zuckerberg team, right? Maybe they're brilliant, maybe they're not. But rest assured that most companies don't function like that. Mm-hmm. The, Steve Jobs is the person that got more punches than anybody. Um, uh, Bill Gates got hit. Google gets hits all the time. They get their entire philosophy. Let's come. Let's uh, go out with ten products. Get one right. Right. It, it is. It, this is a requirement in small to massive businesses. Mm. So speaking about distant jobs, you know, I, I think that what you were saying there was 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 really head on. But I want to kind of move on to what the company does right now. You know, you said that you had experience with remote workers and that you had experience with the kind of like outsourcing. What about that experience made you say, I'm going to base my entire business around this movement? Like, what did you see? What did you like? Why did you decide to base everything on that? It's just remote is so much better. Not outsourcing. I'm not a fan of the outsource mentality in general. I, I think it's unfocused. I think it's not integrated. I believe in, in being fully invested. But remote is so powerful. It's powerful because suddenly you have access to a much bigger pool of talent. Right? This by itself um, kicks anything's ass. When you are looking for a specific talent and you can choose from the world instead of competing in the same region over the same people in the IT business you have literally uh, hundreds or if not thousands of combinations of programmers with different li- uh, different programmers with different libraries with different platforms with different releases you need that fit and you want culture and you you're sitting there and you're competing in the same region with your competition over the same people Right, what a disadvantage to mm-hmm. to have, and then you see that people, especially in the introvert nerdy world, how they're enjoying their work at home, how they're enjoying the ability to to be in control of their distractions, to be to to sit to sit in front of this massive awesome computer that they built to. Uh, not be having to commute in traffic two hours a day. The, there's just so much, so much to the remote work that I, I it just blew my mind that just, it, it, and it still blows my mind that even with this COVID, people are fighting it. People are hating it. It's like, why are you forcing me to work at home where I can work in the office? Why the office? <laughs> why? Right. What? What? Who brainwashed you to think that the office is an optimal working environment? Sometimes I agree the house is distracting, but why not get uh, co-working on office a block away, mm-hmm. right? And come back whenever you want and have that incredible flexibility. Yeah, I think the thing that people are really like hating right now because I did have like I you know when all this happened, I was like, oh, finally, all my friends are gonna get to experience what I've been loving for such a long time. And then I started getting messages and people who are listening to the podcast have heard this before of friends who are like, how in the hell do you do this? Like, I hate my life right now. And the thing that I keep reminding you is this isn't remote work. This is your quarantine and you can't leave this the house. Yes. Right. And like, so like for me, like I love going to co-working spaces. Like you said, I love going to coffee shops and certain tasks, certain things that I do. I love doing them there. And I don't have the opportunity to do it now. Like 
This is a completely different experience. On top of that, also companies that have never thought about working remotely are being forced to manage remote teams and have no idea how to do it correctly. Um, and so I think that that all is adding to, like you said, the people that are like really not happy with with the fact that they're working remotely. Yeah, people that are not happy with working remotely were not guided properly. And again, this is a tough time. I mean, I I was kind of excited that the world is going remote, but I was not excited that the world is going remote with two children running around, not uh, climbing climbing on your shoulders while you're working. I literally, I, I, I make a joke in the book, but it's true. I, I literally was writing my book uh, in the past month and a half where one of my kids was picking me, uh, <laughs> giving me a wet willy, right? And I'm like, stop it. And, and I literally wrote it into my book. My kid is picking my ear right now, right? And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it's, it's not the same experience. Mm-hmm. But the idea of of just having few extra hours a day, being more productive and using that to entertain yourself. That means socializing. You have to socialize. You have to get out to restaurants, bars, gyms, activities, but you have extra hours mm-hmm. in a day if you do it right. And and that's so powerful. Yeah, and that that is that is the benefit. I I mean the the office environment gives you a little bit of that social experience. It makes you a little bit lazy with social, and you need to put a little extra effort to find find your real friends and your real activities and people that really have a lot in common with you instead of being forced into this group that seems reasonable, but it's not necessarily the people you would have made friends with in the first place. Mm. I want to talk about you kind of take a very strong stance and you said it already against freelancing and like against kind of like this like flex structure like you want like a like you believe in a more structured sort of um, employee employer relationship sort of thing. Why do you believe that? Because and, and, and I love that you're against that because a lot of people are for it and i think that usually the way for you to get the best answer is to get both sides of the story right of course yes let's start with this like why do you think that freelancing is not a good way to do work so first of all everything has is place right as i was explaining before if you're if if your real estate company need a web design um outsourcing or freelancing makes Find sense. You want somebody for a project. You don't want to hire somebody full-time. That's cool. That's what freelancers are made to do. And hopefully if they're quality freelancers, they provide you their one-man shops. All of freelancers are one-man outsourcing shops, right? Mm-hmm. But so they, they're they perfect fit for that. But when you run a technology company, Hiring a freelancer doesn't make sense. And as an employee, having a freelancer doesn't make sense. And the more appropriate term for this is non-committal worker, right? This is an individual that always has in his back of his, in back of his mind, um, I would love to work on the beach. I would like an absolutely flexible work. I would like to uh, um, take care of multiple clients. I, I I like the idea of being my a, a mini businessman or businesswoman for that for that matter, right? It, but this is not a person that is interested in integrating as part of this company's process, as part of the company's culture. It it is those processes and culture is what made this companies what they are. That's what defined them. The way you interview, the way you motivate, the way you train, the way you entertain your the way you connect. And there's a person who says, ah, I'm I'm in my mind thinking about my next project. The mentality of thinking in projects, that, that is the best way to define it. The mentality of thinking in project is very bad for business. If you're a boss of a technology company and you outsource or you freelance your core requirements, you are not getting the most productive person or you're getting a superstar that is charging the, the, the living out of you, right? So, so there are some incredibly talented freelancers out there and they bank all the 
they bank their money based on accepting that there will be downtime. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, there are such good, talented people that that are good, but but you are not hiring business people. Sorry, I, I, it's being a little blunt. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and everybody wants to be an individual. And, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, come to me. Let me invest in you and go be an entrepreneur if you have a good model. If you're not, if, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, come work for me. Work by my processes that I spend 15 years of making or and and be as successful as you can be until you're ready to be an entrepreneur. But I don't want to hire entrepreneurs. I don't want to hire business people. And that's and and I want people to be fully invested and integrated in my company and love working. I think the the point that you made that was very good is specifically outsourcing the key concepts of what your company does, right? So if you have a tech company, like you said, if all of your web development is not, you know, internal, it's not, like you said, like living by your culture and your message, all that kind of stuff, you're never going to get optimal work. I do agree with you, but the point where I push back a little bit is that I wonder with the rise of the gig economy and all of these things happening, what do you believe? Because, you know, like the same way that we have Uber now and Upwork in a way is almost like the gig economy in, in, in our sphere, right? Yeah. When you do have those specialized things that you need to get done, um, is that a point where you do kind of like like see the value of somebody who comes in who, like you said, is very skilled, can come in and like do something like, like that very d- defined uh, project, for example? You do it if you don't have a choice. That's that's the that's the quick answer for this, right? Um, so so yes, that's why we have outsourcing before the cheap labor, before the offshore outsourcing uh, industry. There was outsourcing where the companies specialized in doing something that you did not have internally within the company. That was the original definition of outsourcing. And yes, please go ahead do that. And if you find somebody in an incredible value, of course. But that is one project at a time. That is mm-hmm. something that, but that is something that you don't need full time. Uh, that you don't need it, uh, to be full time. You just need you just need a, a solution to be solved. If this solution, if this problem keeps on coming, and you you need to do this all the time, the most optimal way to do this, if you have the option, is to get a full time person that is invested in your company Mm -hmm. is it okay to start out by freelancing like is it okay to like when you're just starting your company and you maybe you know don't want to take on the responsibility of hiring on somebody because you know like you know when you hire somebody full-time uh health benefits all of those things come come into play so do you think it's okay to start with kind of the 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 freelancing in order to not take on those extra costs of having a full-time employee? I think we're getting a concept a little confused. You can pay somebody as a contractor, mm-hmm. right? So if this is the, the, the most advantageous financial strategy for that person, that they gain the most out of getting paid like a contractor, pay the person like a contractor. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the mentality of a contractor, the non-committal aspect of it. You want... When you start, yes, you go to one of those services, Upwork, and try to build your first website for the cheapest thing that you can. Um, you don't have a choice. That's why you're doing those things. You outsource when you don't have a choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You got to do what you got to do. Yes, managing costs is important. And you want your first idea when you have no money, you don't have a, a investment. The freelance marketplace is an incredible solution for that. But we're talking about building a company. Sure. Until you don't have a not you still can pay them as a contractor, but until you don't have a committed worker, you don't have a real company. You just have a project that you're hoping that will that will hopefully will become a company one day. I, I agree with you. I, I I know what you mean, and it's something that I've found myself is is you know, kind of like those same things. But I'm curious about your stance on kind of like 
we mentioned like the flex culture, like the flex work culture, because that is something that's very popular with like, um, you know, lots of these remote companies is like work whenever you want to work the hours that you want to the days that you want to. What do you think about that? Is that something that you apply within your company? Or is that something that you don't think is a is a good idea as well? And if so, why? I, I like a kind of a hybrid. I've seen very successful companies that are perfectly okay with the flex, uh, with the flex effort using agile, which means mm-hmm. you you get the data in the morning, what you're about to do, and you get a conclusion at the end of the day. And that's the way we function. Also, the only thing is that I like most all, all my recruiters are working flex, mostly flex, but I like to understand your core hours. I like to have a feeling that this is my approximate shift, Mm -hmm. right? I like the feeling that you're coming to the office on time, even if your office is, um, office is your chair and, and your, and your Slack account. Um, Structure is good. Structure is healthy. Structure is how we keep ourselves productive in this environment. I, I don't need you to work when you're exhausted and you're not producing anything because that's what uh, companies, a lot of companies with um, physical offices are missing. They're, they're forgetting about the distractions. They're forgetting about productivity. Many of the managers are weak managers who just see people working and think, uh, okay, I'm doing something right. Well, the statistics show that you only produce about two hours and 53 minutes in a day in an eight-hour shift. So I do ask my employees not to waste their time doing bullshit, right? At the same time, I do expect them to come on time. Mm -hmm. Take a break, go for lunch, do whatever. Give me your task list for the day at a specific hour. Let me know when is your approximate shift. So, so I try not to distract. We, we, we are very focused in the past few years about being a distraction-free environment. But if I need you, I know that you're working during the shift approximately. And mm-hmm. if you are not working that day, don't act like you're working. Post, I'm sick. I'm on vacation. I am having a horrible day. That's cool. That's cool. But But just... Give me some kind of structure to to put my my teeth in. I, I I don't believe in just do whatever you want whenever the fuck you want. It just just not. I don't think it works because people do need structures. They they they. It's not just kids. They feel secure when you you would put a roof over their head. You need some kind of roof. Yeah, I think where that comes from is that so many people like grow up and and go into the nine to five where it's like, you need to be here at nine and you need to leave at five. And they're like in this thing that they didn't create themselves. And so a lot of times when they get into this remote world, what they're looking for, the word they use is like freedom or like the ability to kind of like feel like they're in charge. And what happens is they go really far to one side and they really embrace that and they don't have any structure. And then usually in like, a few years of working, they start to create their own structure, right? Because structure is actually freedom, but you just need to make it for yourself. Like, for example, um, I was speaking with somebody who said, um, Liam Martin of Time Doctor uh, several episodes ago, who said, you know, I like we noticed, yeah, he's a great guy. And, you know, he said, I don't care when our, you know, developers work, but what I've noticed is they tend to work like two days where they crank out 12 hours of work each day and then they take a day off and then they do another like, you know, kind of like two day, 12 hour, you know, kind of thing. And that makes a lot of sense because it's what is your structure, right? Like, like instead of it being like the structure that we put onto you of this nine to five thing, which some factory invented, you know, at the beginning of the 1900s, what is the structure that you perform best at? And that's the part where remote work really, I think, enables you to put in place for yourself. So, so I like to negotiate, negotiate your comforts. I like to discuss and to define it properly. I don't like they do whatever you do whenever you do. I, mm-hmm. uh, you want too much freedom means that you're uh, sitting on an island by yourself with, 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 without anybody. I believe that a person is responsible for his teammates, is responsible for his company, and you can't just. I, I don't I don't subscribe to this. I don't subscribe mm-hmm. to the idea that you absolutely do whatever you want whenever you want. It, it's it's 
doesn't function in the long run. Management is an important role in the company, right? People need guidance. Again, if they wouldn't need guidance, they would start their own company, right? They, they, they need somebody to put their shoulder on. And if you're too out there, if you're fluffy too much, at least in my opinion, it does not work. It's, it's a dream. It's a dream and it works for 10% of the people and nobody discuss how the, the, the other 90% are surviving in this world. And that's why people are stressed out in COVID also, because somebody has this dream that I have the freedom, the flexibility. No, I have the comfort to work at home. I have the comfort of having lunch with my kids. I have the comfort of not commuting. I have the comfort of, of if I need, if I have an emergency, I can run out, run in. If I'm, if I'm sick, I can go to sleep and, and then I'm bored. I can come back to work. It's amazing. There is that level of flexibility, but do whatever you want, whenever you want. Oh, I, I, I can't stand that, that idea. What do you think about like the location independence part of remote work? Do you believe in hiring people and like letting them work and live wherever, wherever they want to? Um, and in some way, you know, figuring out obviously how to work within your business structure, or do you not prefer that people kind of like move around as much? Move around, don't work from a coffee shop, right? It, it, it drives me nuts when somebody works from a coffee shop. I mean, do whatever you want. I, I, I'm a, I'm very focused on distractions and, and productivity. Mm. I don't believe that people are productive from coffee shops, as cool as it is. So what I say is, I say is go travel, no problem. Before you travel, wherever you want to go, you better make sure that your establishment has incredible internet. Do not mm -hmm. go to a place where they, they don't manage their internet properly. Make sure to bring your super quality headset. Don't drive me crazy, right? When when you're in a meeting and and I'm sorry, it doesn't work because I'm middle of nowhere in Latin America in the jungle. And it's like, no, you can go on vacation in the jungle. Don't move to the jungle if they don't have proper internet, right? It's I, I, now I have more flexibility. I, I remember always going, making sure if I would go to a resort, I always made sure, which is uh, the club med always had a message, uh, no internet, take it cut and everything and i said no i don't want i don't need that, that service i want internet i feel relaxed when i can check on my company once a day for half an hour then i'm relaxed then i'm happy i'm not relaxed sitting there and disconnecting completely i'm not asking my employees i want my employees to disconnect i want them to enjoy their vacation mm -hmm. but everybody but if you are one of those nomads that requires structure also enjoy go party get drunk at night do whatever you need to do. You make sure that if you if you get drunk, you're a good drinker, and you wake up in the morning and you and you function, right? Or you go to sleep, or sleep the extra hours and come back to me when you're coherent. I mean, what, uh, I, the 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 key with drinking and partying and being productive it means that you need two extra hours of sleep, and then you're mm. okay. Unless you're one of those really uh, bad hangover <laughs> guys that does a, ah, ah, save me. But, but most functioning drunks are, are okay with just a few extra hours of sleep. And then they can come back to produce. Is that was that yeah. too much information? <laughs> the key, I like the keyword of uh, I, I like the uh, the functioning drunks keyword was was nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> For the, first of all, make sure that you are a functioning drunk. If you're not, stop drinking. <laughs> oh, don't come That's back right. to work. Right, party on Friday. Right, if you are, if you are, uh, as I call them, the happy hours. Right, mm -hmm. which means that they they go for a drink from six to ten and then go to sleep in a reasonable hour, and end up. Uh, th this is a perfectly good party. It starts from six to ten. It's four mm -hmm. hours. It's in my opinion. I don't understand anymore. Maybe I'm old. I don't understand the people that go to to party between one to three. It's the same four hours. It's good times. 
and, sure. and you're productive. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, not to you know we keep bringing up Liam Martin, but I, I think he does have some really great ideas and, and tips. And I think like you mentioned on the internet, I know that he said when when I chatted with him that he makes sure that whenever somebody moves, like he's okay with people working from different parts of the world and and traveling and establishing new home base and that kind of stuff. But he he does not qualify you as working unless you can post that you have a certain internet speed. And you know he's like if you don't have that. It's your off day, you know. Like if you can't prove that you have this internet oh, that's speed, fine. it's your that's off cool. day. That's yeah. cool. I, 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 so I, I really like that. that. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 cool. <laughs> In I I want to ask you also. You know, I know we're kind of like running short on time here, but you you said something very interesting where you said to come work for you if you want to kind of like learn how to like run a company, that kind of stuff, but you, that you don't necessarily want to work with entrepreneurs in your company. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? And I guess like my specific question is if, if somebody is listening who wants to become an entrepreneur, who dreams of running their own business, do you think that they should first put that on hold and go work in another business to kind of like get a feel for it? I, I, I couldn't say it any better. Yes, absolutely. First of all, what I'm asking from my employees is focus you can have a project on the side you know it's okay you know i remember i remember i interviewed this lady and uh and she seemed good for the marketing department and and i asked her and and she took care of several clients and and i asked and i asked and i said so sounds like you have a few clients why why are you applying for this job and he said i'm looking for stability so that's a great mm-hmm. that's a great answer. I like it. I'm a fan. And then I asked her, so what are you gonna do with the other companies? And she said, You will be my top priority. And I said, You're not hired, right? I'm not your top priority. I'm your only priority. I, financially, uh, it, it, please, your most biggest priority is your kids and family and everything. I don't want to sound like that harsh uh, businessman. I really do believe in family and work life balance but I'm your only priority. And if you have a project on the side, you can say, Sharon, do you mind if I do the project on the side? I never said yes, but don't call me a priority. This is your job. It's not a, it's not a top priority. It is your in focused investment. I want focus. I want focus from people. This is why I have an objection from hiring freelancers and outsourced employees and everything. It's the focus. Focus is inc- lack of focus is incredibly damaging for business, even with incredibly talented people. Okay, so in in sort of in wrapping up, I do want to say if somebody's like listening and they're like, God, I love Sharon, I love everything that he's talking about. Oh, stop it! The company, stop it. the company okay, that he's going. running, you know, <laughs> the company that he's running sounds great. What sort of people are you looking to hire? You know, like who who should come and work for a distant job, and then also. We haven't, I mean, I think that you've done a really good job of lifting up the hood of, you know, what kind of like makes it tick, but we haven't really talked about if somebody's like, what does distant job get hired to do? Oh, so distant job is getting hired to find the best and the smartest IT specialists across the world. Um, My clients have that attitude that if I'm going to give you the best benefit in the world, they cannot be bought with money um, because health insurance and sick day, paid sick days and everything. It's just a question of money. But working from home is the ben- best benefit in the world. I want exceptional talent. I want invested, focused individuals, which are incredibly talented in their core skills, which in most cases are programmers and developers and system administrators. Um, sometimes even when we hire virtual assistants, those virtual assistants are so smart. They're the ones that... Um, you don't spend more time explaining them thing that actually doing, which is a, a huge issue with a lot of the virtual assistant industry. We, we get, I mean, last time we got um, the, the ex-secretary um, of the Belarusian prime minister, right? And that's what we get, right, when we talk virtual assistant. And you don't need to tell them anything. They know how to do things better than you do. That's what. That's the caliber of people we get. If you're that caliber of person, that's what we're looking for. And, of course, we're looking for the companies who are looking to hire. That's a, a bigger deal and are open to the idea of uh, working remotely or hiring do you think, remotely. Do you think that there's room in the kind of like remote industry at the moment 
for like companies that do what you do? Or do you feel like you're almost like tapping out? Like there's not yet that much need for it. Or do you think that it's growing and that it's constantly kind of, you know, there's more room for, for kind of like recruitment agencies like yourself? There's, there's, there's always room, right? It's, it's tough. It's tough mm-hmm. to sell the idea to clients. It really, really is. I am, you, you know, it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work like, and it's definitely not tapped. I, I don't think mm-hmm. so. I it's it's just a question of how many how many companies. There's plenty of companies are hiring, not mm-hmm. during COVID time, but in general, there's plenty of companies are hiring. Is how skillful are you in to actually convince them that their need can be uh, supported through remote employees? Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. Sort of in wrapping up, um, I know that you're writing a book that you mentioned. Uh, for people who are interested, where can they go find that book? And also, if somebody, you know, kind of like heard what you're talking about and either wants to work for a distant job or is like, hey, I'm an IT professional. I want these guys to represent me. Uh, how can they get in touch with you and, and find out more about that? So come to our website. There's a full distantjob.com. There's a section, uh, there's a section for uh, employees, right? Apply there. Uh, we actually are looking internally for an exceptional salesperson. Um, these days uh, in North America, um, the the book itself, I'm hoping it's going to be an Amazon. Uh, you, you can only predict. I'm hoping people are going to love it. It's a, a non-bullshit um, approach to remote management and remote working. I I tell the remote workers why they suck and why what could they do better. And uh, for the remote managers, the same thing. I, I, I and um, but hopefully it's going to be in Amazon in about a month and a half, two months. I, I finished writing it. Now it's just in the edited, publishing, and all that process. And I'm hoping it's going to take about a month, a month and a half. And I know that you said that you're kind of still working on the title, but when it does go live, like can people find it at a distant job site? So the title for now is. Um, the recruitment guide to getting quarantined well. That's uh, that, that's what I, I think it's a look. I think it's clever. I hope it's clever. I, th- I hope I'm not the only one who thinks it's clever. Uh, my director of marketing thinks that they should just talk about the title. Should just say guide for for the remote because that's what it's all about. It's about teaching people to remote work and how to remote manage better. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. I think this was a great episode and, um, and, and I really appreciate all the like perspective that you brought from your point of view. Um, thank you so much, seriously, and um, stay safe and uh, take care of yourself, right? Thank you. Stay at home sometimes. Yeah, the best <laughs> you can. Talk to you soon, Mitko. Pleasure. 